You're listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday morning. Now, let's turn to our next topic and guest of today. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're hearing about a new book called Fair Haven, which is a novel of climate optimism. And to talk about this, I'm really delighted to be chatting with John Viev Hilton, who is the co-author of Fair Haven. Welcome back on the program. And you wrote under the pen name Jan Lee as well. So, And you also your co-author is Steve Willis, who's based in Malaysia. So Jan, before we talk about the book, let's talk a little bit more about your journey as a writer. How did that all start for you? Sure. Well, I've actually been writing since I was pretty small. I was just looking back over um, some of my diaries, and I remembered that my first published work, because at the age of 14, was about um, wetland degradation. And uh, that took a break, however, while I uh, pursued a career in corporate affairs, sustainability, and that sort of area. But it was only when I was telling bedtime stories to my kids that I was doing any writing for several years. But over the past say, five or six years, I got back into it, started publishing short stories uh, under the name Jan Lee. And then, as a matter of fact, this book came about because I was publishing about sustainability and climate and literature on LinkedIn. And Steve Willis, my co-author, um, looked and sent me a message and said, hey, do you want to collaborate? And that was, and had you met him before? As a matter of fact, we have written and published an entire book and we have still never met each other. We will meet each other on, uh, on March 7th when he comes here for the book launch um, for the first time. That's so incredible. I'm really hoping his flight's going to be on time. <laughs> I, this is incredible. So what was the collaboration process like? Everything was online. How, how was it done? Mm. On the Yeah, talk us through that process. Yeah, so, so Steve had actually worked on a book of climate optimism short stories called No More Fairy Tales the previous year, and we showed it around at COP27. And then uh, we we decided that, well, maybe we'd try to publish a short story together as well. And uh, we entered it into a contest. That didn't work out, but um, we said, well, you know, as long as you're asking for $5, not, why not ask for $50? So um, we, wrote a, we wrote three chapters of a book together. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the content, a lot of the plot did come from Steve um, because he, had, he's, he spent a lot of COVID just you know, thinking of all different ideas of you know, how, you know, what he could do with his background in engineering and um, coastal protection and land, re- land reclamation, things like this, you know, carbon sequestration and make them into stories. I have a lot more experience in things like characterization and building story arcs. Um, so, and also a lot of experience in sustainability and how you know big organizations work. So we put that put that together, entered three chapters of this book into a contest called Green Stories, and we did get a prize in that, which ends up meaning that the book is published by uh, Habitat Press out of UK. Amazing. In terms of uh, the age group, who is it aimed at? Well. Um, to a certain extent, the main character, Grace Chan, is an every woman. She's, um, she is Malaysian uh, in, in the book, but from a, like a mixed background. She's been an expat kid. She's you know, based in Penang. Um, and it's, the story follows uh, her life from her 20s right into her 50s. So probably that age range, um, it's, not a, it's not a YA, it's not for kids. Um, I would say it's for grown-ups and almost professionals. So people who you know, people who have jobs and who are like trying to do the right thing in their own lives and get are getting a little bit frustrated, they will find this book very, um, I'd say very enlightening, but also I hope it'll make them hopeful because yeah. there's so much climate fiction out there. It's a new genre, by the way, did you know, called cli-fi. <laughs> um, 
I've never yeah, it's, heard of it. It's, it's, it's a thing now. But so cli-fi books tend to be, you know, two white guys battling it out for supremacy for the last crumbs of civilization on a blasted hellscape. And you read that and you put the book down and you, you don't know whether to cry or you know, go off and like sit alone in a room for a while. So um, this book actually outlines, you know, what does it look, what could it look like if things went right? Um, now, we put our characters through the paces. They they suffer a lot. I mean, one of them gets bashed over the head. You know, uh, they get you know they have heartbreak and and uh, you know reversals and um, and yes, there's a lot of uh, negative, damaging impact of climate change. But ultimately, um, we want to show there are things that are possible. Yeah, talk us through the plot of the book then, or as much as you can reveal. It's, it's always tricky when I <laughs> right. ask authors that without because... doing too many spoilers. So. Exactly. Yeah. So as I mentioned, the main character is called Grace Chan. She's a Malaysian woman. She's um, she's been she's been hurt before. She uh, in the early part of the 2017 floods in Penang, she suffered a, very, a, a personal loss, and um, which, by the way, I. I took the description of that flood directly from when I was living in Vietnam and experienced floods uh, there. So those, I hope, is going to be very realistic. She um, she ends up working on a, a fictional uh, coastal protection project called Fairhaven, which is a plan to build um, sort of dikes on either side of the of Penang, the Penang Strait to link the Penang Island to the mainland. So if you're thinking in a Hong Kong context, it's almost if you were to link Hong Kong Island to Kowloon side by building two dikes on either side and, and reclaiming all the land in between. Um, and so the, the point of that project is to protect from future floods. So she ends up um, getting into a very bad scrape. But because of that bad scrape, she becomes unexpectedly famous. And so she decides that she's going to take, she's going to grab the bull by the horns, and uh, you know make it happen. So she ends up becoming a celebrity, and then eventually a politician. And uh, so when we when we meet her first, it's already after she's become she's become a politician. She goes back and reviews her life. What was the process of writing like? Did you and Steve take a chapter each, or did you sort of talk through the the, the, the plot and that? Mm. Yeah, talk us through that. Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, a lot of the raw material, so to speak, came from Steve. So he would say, like, well, what if we did this? And like, well, here's here's a, you know, olivine um, carbon sequestration project. How can we incorporate this into the uh, into the storyline? I'd say, OK, well, what if we have one of the characters, Ivan, is going to go work on that project? Um, or he would he would talk, he would write, he would actually write out the, the plot and the content. And then I would take that and kind of take it to pieces and put it back together again. So, um, and then there, of course, there are parts that are wholly mine. Um, as I mentioned, I am a, a longtime bedtime storyteller. My kids are out of the house now and I'm an, I'm an empty nester, so I need some outlet for my bedtime stories. So well, you find within the book, there are these four other short stories which are so-called written by the main character, Grace Chen. And you can, you can read like those story stories within too. A story. a story within a story, exactly. And um, the first one is very much uh, Steve's story. The other three, and all of the four of those, by the way, are about their historical incidents of disasters, how they might have gone differently. So it's a reimagining, like how the Titanic might not have been a disaster. Yeah, you know, it's, it's sinking, but you know, maybe people could have been saved. Um, the, there's one about the Sichuan earthquake in 2008. How might people have been saved from that? And so on and so forth. So it's all about how people could have made disasters less bad or even prevented them. Yeah. And so those stories within a story, uh, a lot of those were, were um, 
again, the first one was Steve's, but the other three were mostly come up with by myself. In terms of including the details, how much of it do you include? I mean, uh, for example, and how much research do you have? And then how much of it do you turn into fiction mm. and and make it readable? So there mm. are um, there are three or four projects within the book which are not, which have not happened, but which are absolutely possible. And in fact, Steve is working on one of those as his day job now. His, his company is called a Herculean Climate Solutions. So you, you have um, the Fairhaven Land Reclamation, or I should say Coastal Protection Project. Um, there's another one which we're calling Sea Orchards, which is a way of using old oil platforms to, um, to establish marine habitats and then act as a carbon sink. Um, through, you know, by adding some slight amount of uh, nutrient to the to the water, or to the to the um, the, the pillars that uh, go into the water. Um, there's another one which is actually refreezing the Arctic, um, which creates more albedo to reflect the sunlight. And um, and as I mentioned, the uh, slow cycle carbon sequestration project. All of these are possible, and the technical detail is absolutely spot on. And so we have people in the book like working on these projects as if they're already happening. And it's like the audience, uh, the, the, the readers get to learn about these new techniques as exactly. they are taken on this adventure or also. When it comes to editing, when it came to editing down the book, what was that? You know, it's always interesting when you have co-authors and when you work mm. remotely. Um, did you sort of take a chapter? Did you sort of review each other's work? Um, yeah, talk us through yeah. that. So, again, a lot of the raw material came from Steve and then I kind of wrote it into the storyline. Um, probably the, the larger editing issue is with our um, British publisher. Um, because the competition. you can probably hear my, from my voice, I'm not British. And I, I, I tried to put it all into British spelling, and I found a whole lot of other things that are, uh, you know, secret differences of, you know, the, the, the two, the two, um, the two languages divided by a, uh, you know, two countries divided by a common language. So that was um, that was entertaining. What to, was that experience like? Did you have to re? Uh, sometimes combative, <laughs> and uh, and um, but our um, our publisher is you know very good and very. Um, very diligent and really helped a lot by finding us beta readers, finding us people who were you know, maybe not involved in this at all and who would say like, okay, this part's really too technical or, you know, this part I need to know more about, um, you know, her character or, you know, where does, where does this person, um, you know, where does this person step in or like, why is he, why is this here? Um, just for example, there's a, there's a time when Grace Chen after she becomes a celebrity, she's, you know, going out swanning about with the, you know, the glitterati. And um, the, one of the beta readers came back and said, like, this is a bit too much. Like, she's, she's gone to too many, you know, gala awards ceremonies. So I cut it back, combined some of the characters. There's one character who was originally much more, um, much more prominent called uh, Taden, who was a Mars bro and um, had a genetically modified wolf, wolf dog. He's now, um, I think he's, he's been condensed into a sentence. When it comes to character build, yeah, that's another really fascinating part of being an author. You're constantly observing mm. people and you're just sort of remembering fine details. How do you keep a record of interesting character traits that you think, ah, this would work for characters in your book? Well, a, a lot of the people um, that both Steve and I have met over the time are amazing characters themselves. Um, I mean, I think when he's been working on on oil rigs and offshore platforms and and places like that, um, you know, he's really met some 
different some, personalities. Some different personalities. Um, I've met a lot of corporate, um, I can't think of a nice word for them, so a lot of corporate people um, and a lot of wonderful people. And But none of none of the characters in the book are actually specifically based on a single person. It's always right? they, meshed up with... Right. They might have been inspired by that originally, but you know, quite often the characters do things you don't expect them to. You you realize, you, you try to write the character doing something, you realize, no, actually, she wouldn't have done that. Yeah, you know, she's um, she's not that kind of person. And then you have to go obey the dictates of the person that you have created. In terms of writing, did you ever face any challenges when you came up with maybe the plot or maybe the characters? You know, what did you do during those moments? Or perhaps what sorts mm. of difficulties or struggles did you find? Well, one of one of the interesting things that we found when writing our first short story is that to write an optimistic book can be tough because if you're not careful, it's boring. You know, everybody lives a happy life and, you know, then they do the right thing and then they have, you know, happy life. They lived happily ever after. That's not a story. So that's why we ended up putting quite a lot of conflict in. So, um, yes, there are, uh, you know, as I said, someone, someone gets bashed in the head. There are pirates. There's, um, you know, there's uh, like a, a completely disastrous, like a botched recovery. One of the characters, um, uh, Tenku Marina Zainal. She's um, she's kind of this Malaysian aristocrat who is kind of the black sheep of the family. She goes out to work on an oil rig when her her, her uh, parents say, "Well, honey, you ought to be working on the family charity." Um, but she tries to t to save a situation and makes it much worse. And then what does she do then? Is the, so that's yeah. the kind of conflict we put in. Exactly. Because, you know, you have to put uh, the right amount of conflict and the struggles to keep mm -hmm. the, the, the readers on edge. Right. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. If you everything is a happy ending, mm. but then if everything is a disaster, it's also... And we, we do have to show the, um, the seriousness of climate change because it is serious. I mean, last year was the, uh, the highest average, um, you know, uh, post-industrial... Uh, um, average temperature that we have had. And uh, we don't see this, um, we, we don't, in the current scenario, we do not see this changing unless some, um, unless our behavior changes, unless some of the projects we're talking about happen. And unless, of course, there's a political difference. So we had to show the seriousness of climate change through action. We you know people suffering from so-called wet bulb uh, heat waves. People, you know, are suffering from natural disasters. Uh, and, and these things happen in, in the book. But over time, um, we also show how the, you know there's other people who are working on addressing this. Do you think people get the urgency of all this sometimes? I mean, you, you write and, and you mm. meet people, and when you talk about this, people, yeah, what well, else? Well, a lot of people know that it's serious, but they feel helpless. And um, there's even something nowadays which we are seeing more and more called climate anxiety, which um, we have that in, in the book, by the way. So the, some of the characters, they go to this climate anxiety session. It's kind of like, you know, an AA or Alcoholics Anonymous session where they, they gather and say, like, you know, hi, I'm Grace Chan. I'm suffering from climate anxiety. And, uh, and climate anxiety is a real thing. People, people don't want to have kids. They don't want to, they don't see how they can go on. Um, they say, what is it, you know, what is it all for anyway? So what we're trying to show is that like kind of no matter who you are, if you're an accountant, if you're a, you know, a PR person, if you're a, you know, a, a ship captain or a fisherman. Supermarket, you know, check or out. Or supermarkets, like, yes, yeah. there are areas that you can make a difference. Um, and in fact, that is that is one of the things that I've seen many times in my career. I've, I've been in the room um, at, you know, at the table, so to speak, you know, at the board table, 
um, when decisions are being made about whether or not to go this path or that path. And one of the things that that senior leadership um, always say is, are our customers asking for it? Are our employees asking for it? And if the answer is yes, then it doesn't take that many people to ask for the CEO to say, oh yeah, a lot of people are asking for it. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm hearing it again and again. Well, maybe you heard it twice, but it seems like it's a pattern. So, uh, I mean, I encourage anybody who's, whether you're a, you know, working in the supermarket, whether you're you know, a fisherman, fisherwoman, um, whether you're you know, a radio host, ask. Um, exactly. you know, ask the brand that you want to change to change. And, um, and sometimes some of them, voting and with your money works. Voting with your money. Voting, also, you know, write that letter, write yeah. that Facebook post to their social media team or their, well, okay, maybe, maybe not Twitter anymore, but um, you know, wherever, media. Yeah. <laughs> wherever, wherever you can find them. Yeah. I said supermarket checkout because a few times I'm at the supermarket and mm. then the checkout ladies asking other people, do you need a bag? Do you need? And I'm like, shh, mm. don't ask, you know, maybe, mm. maybe didn't ask for it. then the person, because normally when they do ask, the customer will say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, didn't think about that one. Um, in terms of, gosh, time really is flying. Um, what about your involvement with the literary festivals then? Yes. So the book will be launched um, six o'clock PM on March 7th. So that's next Thursday. And um, it'll be at the uh, Fringe Club. And uh, so you can get your get your tickets at the literary festivals uh, Hong Kong International Literary Festival website. So it's festival.org.hk. And uh, so both myself and Steve will be there, me meeting Steve for the first time, and hopefully our readers meeting Steve for the first time. I mean, I, they yeah. they will also be meeting him for the first time as well. And uh, you can get a signed copy of the book if you like on on site. Um, so it'll be via bookazine. Excellent. And finally, is there any other are there any other projects that you're working on? What's in the pipeline for you at the moment? Um, well, among other things, I'm the editor of a literary magazine called The, the Apostrophe. Um, so we'll be coming out with our uh, fourth issue next, uh, starting actually tomorrow. And um, so hope, hope to see more people who are aspiring writers contribute to that. And of course, um, Steve and I are already talking about the sequel. We have lots of ideas <laughs> to the, haven't named the sequel of Fairhaven yet. Fairhaven 2, I'm not sure. It's a brilliant but, title, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, uh, we, two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, uh, but we're working on that. And, um, of course, you know, I'm, I'm still pl plugging away at, uh, I have another novel, complete novel that I have written, but I haven't found representation for yet. Yeah. Um, well, perhaps I'll invite you back another time once that's once ready. Once that's to ready to go. Yeah. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and just uh, one more minute, very quickly. If there are some aspiring writers, people who are just starting out on their journey, what sorts of advice or what what, what have you learned along in your journey that you can share with them? Um, so having uh, having people who are in the same boat with you also trying to write can be really, um, really helpful. So I, I belong to the Hong Kong Writers Circle, um, which has been fantastic as far as, you know, meeting other people who are trying to get stuff published, or maybe they're, maybe they're just starting out, maybe they're a little bit further down the um, further down the pathway, uh, belong to critique groups. So those things are, are great fun. And then just to submit, you know, submit to, there are lots and lots of literary magazines out there that are taking poetry, um, and, you know, submit to 100, maybe you get one published, um, and it will give you a lot of encouragement for the next one. Excellent. And remind our listeners once again, have you got a website or are you on social media? How can our listeners follow you and your work? Um, so ho hope you can look at the Green Stories website. So it's uh, greenstories.co.uk um, slash Fairhaven for the book. For the book. Um, you can also, by the way, if you're still not quite convinced, you can read the first 10 chapters on Substack. 
So just look for Fairhaven on Substack, so Fairhaven Climate Novel. Excellent. And March 7th is a magic day where you'll be able to meet Steve and the, yes. the, the audience will be able to, to meet Steve as well. Steve Willis is your uh, co-author for your uh, brand new book, uh, which is Fairhaven. Uh, Genevieve Hilton, also written under the uh, pen name Jan Lee. Thank you so much for your time today. And I really, really enjoyed our conversation. And I look forward to the next time we meet again. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.